ladies and gents, beauties and influencers. Welcome to episode 98 of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments, your twice weekly plunge, nay, cannonball, dive bomb, into the world of comedy, dystopia, politics, and so on. Uh, it is your, your faux intellectual discussion that allows you to feel slightly clever listening to it, all the while the beer and swearing afford you that comforting element of eh, it's not that clever though i can i can handle this shit um i like to uh, i like to set out my stall at the beginning of these shows uh, so here it is right uh, this is the kind of show where you hear me musing over something reasonably intellectual uh you know like uh, like oh shit you know he's He's talking about the complexities of the British parliamentary system. This sounds a bit highbrow and, and complicated. I don't know if this this is for me. Oh, but no, 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 wait, wait. no, no. He's now he's talking about his arsehole. Okay, good. I'm I'm in. Right, I'm I'm back. I'm here for this. Um, if it's your first time listening, uh, congratulations on using your ears. Uh, welcome to my Binfluencer cult. That's the uh, that's the other thing I like to set out uh, from the get go. If you found me on Twitter or TikTok, and you're like, who the fuck is this clown? What is he? Is he like some sort of politics influencer or something? Like, like, no. It's basically where, like, like rather than use social media and podcasts to inspire you or, like, lift your spirits, like, what, what we actually do on this show is take that stuff, that aspiration, and we bring it crashing back down to the ground, back to reality, uh, scrape the muck of society off the bottom of the bin and go, look at, look at this shit. It is gross. And then invariably someone will say, well, yeah, like, what's your, what's your solutions though? You know, you're always coming to us with problems. Like, why are you always moaning aid? Like, where's your solution? And then that's when I'm like, I have no solutions. Everything is awful. And there is fuck all we can do about it. Now, grab a beer and talk shit with me while we await the inevitable run dry of oil, the collapse of society as we know it, and our closest neighbours using their toddler's trike to smash in through our house and bludgeon us to death for the last can of kidney beans we've been keeping in the larder. That is where we are headed, people. And indeed, that is the sort of uh, hashtag Binfluencer downbeat depressing content you can expect from this show so uh yeah starting starting on an upbeat note there um certainly when it's just me anyway uh, on the solo shows when there's no guest to temper my depressed manic hysteria this is what it is like uh now this week i i wanted to return to the flavor of some of the previous episodes right where i've looked for uh, weird, kooky stories uh, stateside, which I suppose is is another kind of influencer thing, isn't it? You know, because like a lot of people, specifically British people, we look at America with rose tint Americana glasses on, don't we? Like we we look at what's hot in popular culture in the US and we treat it like it's therefore got some level of prestige just by virtue of the fact that it's come from America, you know, every time. Like, how many times have you seen shit promoted over here? Like, coming soon to Channel 4, the number one American sitcom, you know, like it's it's hyped because it's big in America. Then it's it has to be good is the, 
you know, or out next Thursday, the US box office smash, you know, like there's an implicit suggestion that it's better because Americans love it. I think it's like that's that's the sort of subtext to it. Like Brits get a bit we get a bit drunk on Americana, I think, you know, we have this attitude of like, oh, my, oh, my God, it's the most watched show in Florida. Well, then it must be great. <laughs> like I I treat America like a fucking zoo and I do not apologize for that. Uh, I see it as a zoo. I think you should be able to say this stuff without it being a huge thing, you know? I think it should be refreshing. When when a British person can come out and say, those guys have really fucked that country up, you know? Like, that should be refreshing to people, I think. Instead of how the weird, needy way that we normally look at America over here. Like, uh, like do you remember the, the height of Brexit? This we had like a constant haranguing and pillorying of the European Union for being inflexible and not negotiating and insisting on their own food standards, etc. You know, and then when it came down to the American ship, do you, do you remember like the chlorinated chicken? And, you know, we want to be able to sell Mountain Dew with methanate to Brits and insisting that we sell McDonald's in dollars now. And, and well, you can have a trade deal, but we're going to insist that Trump's nephew is the new head of state in the UK. You know, the same people who would uh, despise the European Union for being inflexible and uh, and oppressing us with their food standards and their rules and regulation. But those those same people would then bend over backwards to appease the controls America would implement. So I think like I read this on somebody's tweet, somebody way more articulate and uh, clever than I. But um, but they described it like uh, they said hatred of the EU is the flip side is like subservience to America. Like they're kind of two asses of, no, what's it? Two cheeks of the same ass is the, uh, is the expression. So if you, if it's, if you have a disdain for the EU oppressing us with their regulations and standards of food and goods and services and stuff, but then the alternative is to be completely subservient, to be bent over a barrel and butt fucked by America. The same people would be like, oh well, yeah, like we just got to do, just got to do it. Whatever Trump wants, I think we should just give it to him. And look, I love Americans. You know, the, the people I've met, they're always very charming and fun and outgoing and, and a lot of the time very funny. Uh, but America as a political and geopolitical entity, it's a zoo to me. Like, it just it fucking is. Like, honestly, America is like... Um, uh, it's like looking at American news stories is like I'm in a car with the windows up, driving through it, watching them tear the aerial off and throw excrement at each other. And I'm just like, look, you know, slowly creeping through there five miles an hour, looking at this shit like, oh, yeah, you must be very proud, you know, <laughs> like, and you have to be a bit careful when you appraise America because it's such a punch drunk on itself kind of country right like like have you ever tried to tell a sociopath that they're not all that you know like it's in the same kind of neighborhood it's like do you think do you think america could do this little thing 
a little bit better. Then it's like, why, why do you hate America? You godless fucking communist. Go to hell. You know, it's like trying to discuss the pros and cons of public health care with a drunk pit bull. And, um, and it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because it's like a lot of us have shared ancestry with a lot of Americans, with millions of them. Millions of them are, are descended from Irish, Scottish, English families from back in the day. But that is where the overlap stops, isn't it? You know, like there's, there's little else that we share now, I think. We started from the same place, but we've junctured and drifted off. Like I look at I look at American insanity now like it's your granddad at Christmas dinner, you know, just sat there shitting himself, talking unblemished nonsense. Like, look, I, I once met Prince Albert. Fuck off, you did. <laughs> you crazy old bastard. And your girlfriend's like, Are you two related? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, ish. You know, I mean, we share some relatives, but he's just he's just got gotten crazier. You know, like that's America, that nutty old crazy fucking granddad. Like it's quite, it's quite an indictment of the whole nurture v nature thing. You know, that you can take two biologically identical people, like two twins, couldn't you? And you could separate them at birth and one grows up in London and he'd be like, you know, if typically British, he'd be like understated and what, like a, a bit sarcastic or a bit repressed, perhaps. And then and then the other one gets raised in like a small town Westchester, you know, in the middle of bumblefuck nowhere. But this guy would be amped up and cheering on his mentally impaired cousin as he buys his first semi-automatic to shoot his sister's forced to full term incest baby, you know, and he'd be like, we're pro-life. <laughs> We're pro-life, so you have to keep the baby until it rolls out of your vagina and then fuck all the hazards and the risks and the near certainties and arming people with low cognitive ability. Then pro-life is on pause and then it's fucking on. Blah! You know, God bless America at that stage. They're pro-life until the incest baby is born and then it's like, just give it a gun. Like the, the British twin, I'm assuming here, right, the British twin would grow up relatively sane. And I know I'm somewhat biased from that because I've grown up in Britain. And so I'm sort of conditioned to thinking that Britain isn't actually that batshit. But, you know, clearly it is like he would grow up. The British twin would grow up probably loving the royal family and rolling with the class system and the other weird shit about this country. The British twin, though, grows up all right. But the American one, the Yankee one, grows up fine with gun culture and arming people with mental illness and the state executing those same people. You know, that, that doesn't that that sounds I mean, I know loving the royal family, nationally speaking, I'm not a massive fan of the royals, but I accept and kind of well, begrudgingly accept that a lot of the Brits do like the royal family, although I you know see it as sort of national brainwashing. But fine, whatever. But I would take a love of the royal family over being brainwashed and conditioned to thinking that it's okay to give a gun to a mentally unwell person. And then when, not if, when they go a bit nutty and blow a hole in their grandma's head, then we go, 
you did something bad there, Timmy. We're going to have to execute you now. Like that to me seems like a succession of crazy thoughts and laws and regulations. (laughs) The state executing those same people. Nurture v. Nature. Like, like just growing up in America makes you a bit crazy, I think. I think it's like, the you know, the frog boiling very slowly in the hot water. I don't know. That's how it seems to an outsider. And it kind of makes you think, like, was America this crazy when we were running it? You know, like, no, it was not. I, don't, I honestly don't think it was. I'm not a historian. Maybe Otto English can, up, you know, correct me on this stuff. But I don't think they were this crazy when Britain was running it. I mean, it was like it was oppressed and it was controlled and probably taxed to fuck for the benefit of, uh, you know, the Queen or King of England at the time. And, you know, sure, they had less freedom. But but was it this crazy? Was it this out to lunch, gunny and weird and self-relating as it is now? Probably not. So maybe, maybe American independence is overrated, guys. Maybe, maybe sovereignty should just be an us thing over here. Maybe like, I don't know, should we run America again? I'm just asking questions. I'm just like, you know, should we? I'm not saying we should. I'm just asking, should, could we? This is the great thing about talking shit about America, too, by the way, is like you can say whatever the fuck you like. And if some agitated, red cheeked Texan gets pissed off, you can be like, well, you guys love free speech, right? The right to say something you might not like. So here it is. I did it. Celebrate me. And to be clear, right, I'm not saying we should invade the United States and take it over and detoxify it and take away their guns and reintroduce them to the idea of socialised healthcare that doesn't force the sale of your house to fund your operations and, you know, reinstating women's rights. Like, I'm not saying that we should invade the US. I'm just not ruling it out. Uh, Usually when I talk shit about the US, the responses I get uh are pretty predictable actually um i know i'm gonna get like the same shit this time as well like i know i'm gonna get some american listener now like well yeah but like yeah well british guys have bad teeth you know like that's always that's always the go-to thing for yanks when they're roasting brits and it never really lands i don't think like i have bad teeth But I've had bad teeth since I smashed them up when I was four on an industrial staircase trying to do the jump that my brother had just done. But I was only four. I couldn't I didn't have the balance or I did something. I don't know what I did, but I landed. I get like or I landed the top the top row of my teeth smashed against the steel cap of an industrial staircase and smashed my teeth back up into my gums. That is a real thing that happened to me and ruined my fucking teeth (laughs) since I was four. So I kind of like grown used to the idea that I have shit teeth. But I think if we're talking about Brits in general, I think the reason a lot of Brits have bad teeth, maybe compared to Americans or the rest of the world or perhaps more civilised countries, I don't know. I, I think the reason we have such bad, bad teeth in the UK is because, uh, 
they privatized our dental like healthcare, our dental treatment was all privatized in the 1940s. So basically moving us into a private healthcare realm yielded a nation of awful smiles. So when when Americans take the piss out of British teeth, I'm always a bit like, I mean, really what you're doing is mocking the fact that we don't have an element of free healthcare. You know, you're mocking that we don't have free dental. And if you think losing free dental is bad, wait till you see the state of your own healthcare system. It's fucking mad, you know? Like, I'm not sure you really want to be pulling at the thread of Brits don't have 100% free healthcare. Uh, anyway, this week, this week in the US, uh, I've gone to Colorado for some news. Um, we can see what's happening there. Uh, a lot of times... I think when we hear news in the US, it tends to be on the East or the West Coast, right? It's sort of, you know, Hollywood or New York kind of flavour. And this is not. This is right slap bang in the middle of the United States. So if you imagine the US in your head, right, if you don't know where Colorado is, if you do know where Colorado is, then just tell me to go fuck myself. But if you don't, this is where it is, right? So uh, you've got California on the you know far West Coast. Uh, then just inward from that, you've got Nevada. Then just inward again, you've got Utah. And then inward again, and you're in Colorado. So it's kind of, you know, comfortable Midwest ter- territory, I guess they would say it is. Um, that's Colorado. And this week in Colorado, there's a shooting, of course. Of course, there's a shooting. Um, and the headline says, Officer Involved Shooting unfolds at busy Colorado Springs apartment complex. Um, so let's just let's just take that in for a minute, shall we? Officer involves shooting unfolds at busy, busy Colorado Springs apartment complex. There's an apartment complex and an officer on uh, officers attend something there and a shooting begins. Uh, there's a subheading police responded to disturbance at 915 Saturday which led to the incident, which I fucking love. I love the subheading here, guys. Um, so let's just just back up and I let, let's allow you to enjoy this to the extent that I am. Right. So the, the headline is officer involved shooting unfolds at the apartment complex. And then the subheading police responded to a disturbance which led to the incident. So the police, <laughs> the, the implicit acknowledgement there is that the police arriving at the thing led to the shooting. That's what I'm reading from this. Police responded to a disturbance, which led to the incident. (laughs) Like it was fine. There was something happening. It probably wasn't good. Probably a domestic disturbance or something. But no one had died. Then the cops show up. Someone's fucking dead. Okay, cool. Great job. Protect and serve. Bang, bang, roll the fucking body in the meat wagon. Right, let's go grab a beer, fellas. You know, good job. Good work tonight. Anyway, let's read on. Let's get into this. Uh, Says Colorado Springs. The El Paso County Sheriff's Office reports that a man killed in an officer involved shooting Saturday night in Colorado Springs had raised a weapon towards the officers. Okay, so so kind of dumb. Right. Don't raise a weapon at American police. That 
that is a given. Cannot stress that enough. Don't raise anything at the cops. Um, I saw this documentary, slight, slight tangent just for a second. I saw this documentary the other day uh, about these gamer kids who call in fake bomb threats or fake hostage situations to their rival gamers, right? People that they're gaming, that they're fighting with, right, on PlayStation. And they call these fake bomb threats to their friend's house. So then SWAT turn up, bust down the door and point guns in these kids' faces while the rival watches them on their headcam thing, right? You understand? It's absolutely nutty. This documentary, kids playing video games, they can see each other in the bottom right of the screen while they're playing each other and pretending to shoot each other. And, you know, and then they see the cops storm in because they pranked their friend. And then one of these kids did it wrong. And this is where it got really tragic in the, in the documentary. One of the kids did it wrong. He got the wrong address. And this poor Hispanic guy, uh, I think he was a father, um, certainly a sort of, you know, big brother slash patriarch kind of figure. This Hispanic guy answers the door. The cops say he raised his hand like it had a weapon or something. And then this one cop with a load of warnings and dodgy behavior on his record pulls the trigger and the guy fucking dies there on his porch. It's like a really shocking story. Just this family rocked and ruined by this prank gone wrong. But but I think about that story now, like reading it, because it's like. Or, or reading this one now, because it's like just by calling the police to something in America and bear in mind, it's, you know, their tagline is like to protect and to serve. But just by calling the police to something. You are increasing the likelihood of death happening, of someone losing their life, even though they're supposed to protect it. So, and, you know, let's let's be fully transparent about it. It's not just America. You know, if we're in London and it's the Met. You know, it's we're kind of in the territory on occasion. Um, but it seems like whether it's, you know, whether it's, let's say, rarely the Met, because it's not the same as America, but or, or if it is in America with these stories that I sort of keep plucking out. But there just seems to be such a focus on like firepower and gaining authority and dick swinging, you know, that we just we just completely lose the need to de-escalate. You know, there just doesn't seem to be any skill in de-escalating situations like like let's say this guy's in his apartment. Right. And he's shouting and screaming at his girlfriend. And then the, the cops get called. Right. Some neighbor phones. Are, right. It's it's America. There could be a gun in there with him. Cops don't know how bad the situation is yet. But why does it always feel like they rock up to the door? Bang, 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 you know, and then it's Mr. Roberts, your neighbors are very concerned. I need you to step outside so we could blow a fucking hole in your head, sir. You know, like, why is it so harsh? You know, like SAS dropping in there. <laughs> Neutralize the threat, you know, like. Like, I think it should be I think it should be a woman that knocks on the door. Just a calm, compassionate voice, you know, no ego. No dick swinging, just just a credible attempt to wind things down, <laughs> you know, just a nice lady knocking on the door saying like, Mr. Roberts, we're all very scared tonight. I think it's got a little out of hand, uh, but we got we got some ice pops and Nurofen out, you know, like, I don't know. There's a definite toxic vibe 
to these stories. That's my sense. It's like it's completely disproportionate, the response that happens to these things. Anyway, let's let's continue. Uh, it says public information officer Sergeant Jason Garrett said in a news release that the CSPD officers were dispatched to the 4200, 4200 block of Sanders View around 9.15 in response to a report of domestic violence. There we go. Domestic violence every time. And it's it's funny, like you think you think America, you think NRA, right? You think gun ownership, mass shootings. Like if you say America has a gun problem, instinctively you think of some like beta male kid whose entire personality is Call of Duty, you know, sat with his PlayStation. It's all gone to his head a bit. America has a gun problem. Then you think of him like running up in his old school halls with his freshly purchased AK-47 or some shit. Like that's that's the traditional America has a gun problem thing. That's the traditional American celebration of freedom is, you know, when you say America has a gun problem, that's the kind of shit that you think of. Most of the time, though, when I think America has a gun problem, I think of this kind of cop scenario where something's kicked off. The cops arrive. They do everything they can to escalate the situation. And then it ends up with a young man getting a bullet in the head. You know, that's I think that's a bigger problem in America. And then there's the other statistic that's like, you know, most gun deaths in America are actually suicides, which is kind of, you know, sad. Absolutely. But it's also kind of indicative of the wider gun problem. It's like if you were having a gloomy Monday. If you woke up feeling a bit shit one morning, you know, you get an alert through on your phone. You're now two thousand dollars negative in your account. And then your boss phones you and goes, yeah, we don't need you to come in anymore because like you're fucking freaking out. You're a bit of a weirdo freaking out the rest of the staff. So you got fired and you're way into your overdraft and debts. And, you know, and then your girlfriend wakes up and goes, I'm leaving you for your brother, you know, walks out the door. You're having a bad Monday is what I'm saying. It's a terrible Monday. Then you shit yourself and then your brother, who your girlfriend's run off with, your brother phones you up and just calls you a cunt, you know, just to just to really nail this shit down. If you had a gun, you might be tempted to just end it really quickly. But if you were in the UK where you're significantly less likely to own a gun, I just don't like I mean, yeah, you could pop a bunch of pills and you could get a knife or, you you know, but it's not as instant, is it? It's not as easy. So I just think the suicide slash you know gun problem thing in America it's just it all goes back to how freely they celebrate gun ownership or or something I don't know that that's what I think of when I when I think America has a gun problem now certainly more so than ever before rather than the traditional you know tabloid hysteria of a of a mass shooting um like I think. In, in the sort of tabloid reports of gun crime or gun problems in America, because the nature of the stories is so shocking, you know, like if it's a gun, like who was that guy a couple of years ago went on a shooting spree and broadcast it on Facebook Live like that in itself is shocking. So we kind of home in on that stuff. But actually, most gun deaths in America are suicide. Right. Anyway, where the fuck was I? Um. 
I mean, I, I suppose just to just to I mean, not to labour the point. The thing that I keep coming back to with these sorts of stories are that this story seemingly we don't know yet. We haven't got fully through yet. But seemingly it is about a guy who's shouting at his partner being domestically abusive. Uh, the cops turn up and he ends up shot right to death. So that's what happens in America. How would that story end in the UK, do you think? Like it would be a guy who's domestically abusive. He'd be shouting at his partner. The police would turn up. But then shouty guy would end up with a restraining order wrapped around him or the shouty guy would end up in the cell for a night and then told that he couldn't see that woman. And, you know, like it would. But he'd still be alive. I'm not saying like slapping your wife is OK. You know, I'm not. What's the word? Diluting the significance of your husband coming home drunk and smacking you around the face. You know, I'm just saying that even with the ugliness of that situation, it's better if everyone survives. You know, it's awful behaviour. And if indeed, as it seems at this early stage of the investigation and, and this news report, if it was a domestic thing where he hit her or she hit him or something, it clearly like the guy needs a beating right but does he need a SWAT team <laughs> that's the difference I would I would playfully speculate I would playfully table the suggestion he needs a good beating maybe a night in hospital and then maybe he turns his shit around maybe he's like fuck I need to stop drinking I need to go to rehab I need to talk to a therapist I need to sort my shit out why do I always get in these you know he could turn that shit around does he need a SWAT team Really? Or would ice pops and Nurofen actually probably yield a less messy conclusion? I mean, call me call me a lefty libtard bleeding heart if you must. But I don't know. Let's continue. It says uh, it says they met a woman when they arrived who showed obvious signs of injury. During the investigation, a man stepped out of the residents holding a weapon. OK, so it sounds as though he's beaten the shit out of her. Then he's stepped out holding this weapon, which I guess in the cop's defence, you know, look, they don't know what he's going to do with this weapon. He could feasibly point it straight at the woman and kill her. So they have like they, they've got to act quick. Split second judgment. Boom. Gone. It says uh, officers immediately ordered him to drop the weapon. Uh, the suspect began to raise it toward them. At which time, at least one of the officers fired at least one round toward the suspect. Um, uh, it says, uh, he said the officers and medical personnel immediately rendered medical aid to the suspect who later died at the scene. So here's the other thing that I don't understand. If you're listening to this, perhaps you can tell me. If you want to tweet the answer to this and educate me or correct me, fine. But this is the thing I don't get with these stories, right? Why do they always shoot to kill? Like, if the guy... If the guy raises a weapon, can't you just shoot him in the hand? You know, or in the shoulder, or the forearm, or so. Like, why is it always he's holding something, it could be a TV remote, or it could be a Colt 44 Magnum, so we better shoot him in the head, you know, just like, just to be safe. You know, like, because... The logician, if that's even a word, the logician in me wants to say, like, like, you just shot him in the face 
and permanently traumatised four of the residents. You know? And then you imagine the cop saying, like, yeah, but we're protecting people. Like, you fucking... These motherfuckers are getting... They're catatonic with trauma. They're going to have to go through two years of serious therapy to get over the awful sight of seeing this guy's face shot off. We're protecting people. Apart from anything else, right? It's quite a fundamental error when you think of it. Bit of an error in the system that they get so het up, so trigger happy when someone raises their hand or weapon. Right. But when someone raises their hand, they're like, well, he, you know, he raised his hand. And yet that's exactly what they kind of tell them to do, isn't it? It's always like, put your hands in the air. It's like guy raises his hand. He's raising his hands. Quick, kill him. You know, it's like, I don't know. Seems that seems like a poorly judged process or something to me. I remember seeing this interview, uh, or was it a podcast a while back, where they were mocking American gun culture and uh, and cops and shit. And, uh, and there's an African-American gentleman with a load of cops pointing their guns at him. And the first cop says, is that a gun in his hand? And then the second one's like, mm, I'm not sure, maybe. The first one says, sir, throw the gun on the floor. And so then the guy throws a hairbrush on the floor. And the second, second cop's like, what is that? Is that a gun? And the first guy's like, no, no, it's a, it's a hairbrush. <laughs> now the second guy's, that means he's still got the gun. Shoot him. You know, like, it's, uh, you know, it's dark. It's dark. But there's some, there's some truth to that. Like in a country, in a type of society where there's so many guns and so many trigger happy, macho, toxic cops who have that short time to make a snap judgment it's like how fucked is your country how urgently do you need to look at yourself where if someone knocks on your door you have to look at your hands before you open the fucking door and go whoa shit i almost answered the door while holding the remote <laughs> what was i thinking like you know like i imagine myself in you know where where are we again oh Col colorado for this story i imagine myself on the sofa or the couch Imagine myself on the couch watching TV and the doorbell goes ding dong and I get up to go and answer it. My wife's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to answer the door. She's like, not holding the hairbrush you're not. Are you insane? You know, like, how, how fucked is your country where you can't even open the door? Like, you have to double check. Jesus, I almost answered it holding the remote. That was close. So... So the guy raises a weapon and they don't, you know, don't seemingly try very hard to de-escalate. Uh, they don't try to shoot his hand or his arm. They shoot to kill and he dies at the scene. Uh, and then it says no other injuries were reported. The officers involved in the shooting have been placed on administrative leave per the CSPD policy. Uh, so they shoot him and go straight on admin leave. Uh, then it says the story has been updated Sunday night. Sheriff's office have now taken over the investigation into the shooting. Uh, it says investigators have not released further details on the circumstances of the shooting or the extent of the injuries to the suspect. Um, and then a large law enforcement presence remained at the scene for several hours to gather evidence and more information. And it could have all been avoided. 
This is the key thing. It could have, none of this needed to happen. No cop cars, no SWAT teams, no negotiators, forensics, paramedics, counsellors, cleaners, morticians. Like, I wonder what the total cost to the city was to pay all those resources. It's probably like a, it's probably like half a million dollars or some shit. And it could have all been saved if they just like wheeled the guy's mum in. You know what I mean? Like just have, just have the guy's mum there. Like Raymond, Raymond, come on, stop all this silliness. I, I brought you up better than this. That would be it. It'd be the end. Oh, I'm sorry, mum. I'm so embarrassed. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's a class-based problem as much as anything. I think, as far as America is concerned, you know, we talk a lot about the class system in the UK and we've got a lot to be embarrassed about in that sense. But America also have a class problem. And I think ours is more established. Everyone knows about it. We constantly talk about working class, this person, middle class, that person. Uh, we obsess over whether somebody has moved from the working class into the middle class. And But in America, it's more subtle. Like they don't they don't acknowledge it in the same way. I don't think there's not the same level of history to it, perhaps, as there is here. But it is there. And I think the gun problem in the US is a is a good example of how it, it is there, but it's not really acknowledged. Because if your neighbourhood has a lot of social issues, you know, if you live in a working to, to underclass neighbourhood, if that's not too shitty a way of saying it, but, you know, like people, like the working class work, right? But then there's a whole kind of underclass of people who, for a variety of reasons, some of them perfectly admirable and, and legitimate, cannot work. And so then they're thrown into the depths of poverty. But if you live in that kind of lower working class, kind of underclass thing where you're surrounded by people with undiagnosed mental illnesses or... Or if it's America, fucking diagnosed mental illnesses, but you just can't afford the fucking medication, right? Or like, or even worse, you can afford the medication, but it's a highly addictive opioid that your GP prescribed you to meet your sales target, to get the family holiday in Antigua. Fucking hooray for capitalism, right? But if your neighborhood, if your neighborhood has a lot of social issues, you might be more inclined to get a gun to protect yourself. And I don't... I don't judge in that context. Like I always say, if my town descended into violence and burglary and rape and, you know, if it descended into a lawless fucking nightmare and then they told us it's actually fine to own a gun now, I would buy a fucking gun and you would too in that scenario. So I can't judge. Right. And in the realm of, I don't know, long term unemployment. Uh, boredom, anger, people who were abused in whatever way, now lashing out at everyone else in their apartment block, uh, drug addiction, violence, poverty, forcing people to steal from each other. Like in that kind of realm with so many guns out there, you can see how guns might be more prevalent in a working to lower slash underclass kind of apartment block. So it is a class issue. I mean, if you put yourself in the position of somebody in like like... What I was saying a minute ago about poverty, forcing people to steal from each other. If you think of like an apartment block of meth heads and smack junkies and, you know, like the person that gets stolen from had two things. 
A TV and a gun. And now you stole the TV from him. Now they've just got the gun. This double barrel, 12 gauge, sawed off thing. Like, what do you think they're going to do? Their brain frazzled from Oxycontin. Nothing to lose. They've defaulted on rent three times over. They're going to go and get the TV back. They're going to rap on your door. Bang, 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 bang. Give me back my news box. I'm watching it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How are you going to watch it with no eyeballs? Blah. You know, like it's... I know that's an extreme example, and I'm, I'm being a bit over the top, but you kind of get my point, right? It's like... I don't know if you ever watched that uh, TV show, The Shield. It's this really sort of gritty American drama about Los Angeles cops. And I think there was an episode, or maybe it was The Wire. I can't remember. The Shield or The Wire. There was an episode where one of these methy, cracky junkies shot the other one for like five dollars. And it was like his friend. He murdered his friend for five dollars. And it's stuff like that. Like if you live in an apartment block of erratic, brain frazzled crackheads and, you know, you're going to get a gun. You're going to try and protect yourself. And then if someone steals your shit, you're more likely to escalate. You know, you get what I mean. So it's a class based thing as much as anything else, because when there's a domestic disturbance like the one that we're outlining in this news story in that apartment block, that's just littered with depression and deprivation. They rap on the door and they're already on high alert. Like, you know, the one cop will say to the other one, like, careful, Hank, there's a lot of crazies in here. You know, would they be quite so nervy if they rang on the front door in Malibu, do you think? I don't know. Like, do you remember, do you remember when that SWAT team surrounded Justin Bieber's house? That was fucking hilarious. Like, I mean, I know I shouldn't be encouraging this sort of stuff, but this is about 10 years ago now. Uh, comedy plus tragedy no, comedy equals tragedy plus time. So 10 years ago, it was serious. A decade's passed now. Now we can laugh at it. Um, but they did it to Ashton Kutcher as well and Miley Cyrus. You know, it's not dissimilar to the SWAT pranking gamer thing I was talking about a minute ago, which is not funny because it's still quite recent. So that's I think that's how that rule works. Um, but, you know, the SWAT team surrounds Bieber's house. They ring on the door. This massive fucking California mansion and these highly trained but incredibly patient uh, firearm teams attend. And did anyone get killed? <laughs> no. Uh, did anyone have itchy trigger finger that day? No. They like. Do you think there's any domestic violence call outs in Brentwood, L.A., which is like a, you know, very affluent part of Los Angeles or Malibu. Like, I mean, I'm sure there are from time to time, but I don't think it's the same as cops being called to apartment 26 in that fucking, you know. I don't know, maybe the maybe the social pressures of being jobless, your neighbours hooked on smack, keeping you up at all hours, surrounded by meth heads and. You know, maybe if you're minus two thousand dollars in net worth, like maybe all of these clouds coming together in this lower socioeconomic bracket, maybe it yields a more deathy result. And it's weird, like it's weird how we can talk about anything, right? Like, I mean, now we're talking about American gun culture, but it's true also of like the housing crisis or the cost of living crisis or the collapse of the NHS or, you know, 
in America, the, the absence of meaningful health care, really, like whatever, whatever the whack-a-mole crisis that pops up, it always, always goes back to inequality. It's quite amazing, you know? It's like the gun problem. It is a gun problem. And maybe the children of some affluent parents, parents might get shot up in a school shooting every now and then. But typically, for most deaths that result from guns in America, we've covered this, right? Most of them are suicides. I think a pretty healthy chunk of the other ones are things like this, where cops get called to something, they act a bit too macho, the shit escalates, and somebody gets shot the fuck up. But I don't don't think most of these things tend to touch or tend to come knocking on the door of the affluent people who make the decisions. So it is a class thing, right? You can imagine people saying like, have you got a gun problem? And somebody may be like, uh, yeah, yeah, there's too many guns in the country. And you're like, well, how much are you pulling in? Like $900,000 a year and you live in a gated community? Like, don't, honestly, don't worry about it because it's literally not even your problem, <laughs> you know? And it's the same over here, right, with the housing, with the housing crisis. Have we got a housing problem? Yes. The cost of housing has skyrocketed and nobody's kids can afford a one bed flat even two hours away from the office that forces them to come in unnecessarily. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but does it affect your kids? Me? Oh, God, God, no, no. My kids have got the pied de terre overlooking the bay. Yeah, my kids are fine. You know, so the decision makers get removed from this situation. It's kind of scary when you think about it, because it's like I grew up on council estates. I've seen some pretty violent arguments out in the street. I've had stones thrown at my head by other kids on the estate. I've seen cars burnt out. I've seen bins set on fire. I've seen a lot of, you know, weird shit that you would expect to see in the council estates of England. So you would think I would be like, well, I've got a clear idea of, uh, you know, what the problems are and I've got a vested interest in learning how to fix them. But listen, Dear listener, no, I just want to get the fuck out of it. And then I'm I'm going to move to my fucking Malibu mansion. <laughs> Completely remove myself from all that. Are you crazy? I no, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to be bothered with that. Um, anyway, listen, guys, um, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much uh, for listening once again to me rabbiting on. Um, quick promotion of the Patreon. If you're in a position to support the podcast, I do run a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash aid thompson um i set myself a goal a month ago to uh, attain 10 patreons who could support the podcast um, and i said that the first 10 who sign up will be exclusively invited to a london event celebrating the sort of the genesis of the podcast and indeed my cult um we're now up to number eight got eight patreons uh and i'm super excited about that thank you so much to all of you for for jumping on this it does mean however we've only got two spots left there's only two spaces left to join the patreon and to then get that exclusive invite to the london event uh a lot of like youtubers and podcasters and oh god i can't believe i'm going to say influencers uh let's let's not let's stick with influencers uh, but a lot of people who run podcasts and, you know, YouTube stuff, they do these meetups or meet and greets or live Q&As and shit. Uh, I've said from the get go, that's not me. That's I, I don't want to do that stuff. Um, what What is far more me is to just book an area in a pub. We'll get 10 of us 
Uh, I may even invite Super Tansky and Davey Moo down and a couple of others. And we'll just, we will meet up, but it'll be a meet up slash piss up. And we'll just talk shit about Tories and politics and get a little bit smashed. Um, so that's the plan. We'll do that as soon as we hit uh, 10 Patreons. Um, so, yeah, if you're not in a position to support the podcast uh, financially, which is totally understandable, given the weird fucking time that we're in, um, I understand that. That's that's totally cool. All I would ask is that if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're listening to a few of the different episodes, uh, why not copy the link to one of them and send it to a mate who you think might also uh, enjoy this vibe? God, don't know where vibe came from there. I think I've... I think I'm suffering from arrested development. I've gone back to, to me at 15. So guys, let's just uh, let's just check the vibe out in this bar. Um, yeah, all I ask is just uh, share an episode that you've enjoyed with one of your friends and just send them a little thing saying, I listen to this podcast. I think you might enjoy it too, or something along those lines. Uh, and that's it. Um, I'll be back very, very soon, hopefully Friday night with a guest. Uh, and next week, I'll be back with another solo show. Thank you once again for tuning in. Catch up with all of you soon. Cheerio!